Welcome to Up Next in Commerce, the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital, retail, and beyond, with conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between. You'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of Mission.org, and I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode. Today, we have Jeff Skalt joining the show. Jeff, welcome. It's such an honor to be here. It's really exciting to see you again in person. I think it'd be fun to kind of talk about how we met. Because <laughs> it's, I was actually telling our audio engineer today, I was like, the way we met was so unique, where I have a friend who told me, you need to meet this guy, Jeff. Apparently, you maybe heard about me too. And then we end up randomly sitting next to each other at a conference uh, called Summit Series at a cacao ceremony. And I hear overhear you, I'm like creeping. I overhear you telling your story and I'm like, you're the guy I'm supposed to meet. <laughs> so that's an interesting, you're probably like, who is this stalker? <laughs> it's like an interesting way to meet someone at an event like that, so. It's the definition of what's happening in the Conscious Collector right now. We find yeah. each other. Yep. And we yep. find each other effortlessly. Yep, yep, I love it. Yeah. So. I want to jump right into talking about conscious consumption. Mm. So this is a big topic. Actually, I think I've spent, man, I think there's probably been about 10 episodes where I've had different founders or marketplaces or people coming on talking about this concept. Um, but I think you would do a really good job explaining why this matters, like mm. where we're at today in the world and how to be thinking about it, um, especially for someone like me who maybe has not paid as much attention to it as they should. It's a genius place to start because um, we've seen more disruption and habit reformation in the last three years than we have in the last three decades. And it marks to go back to see where we are today. You know, we're celebrating the 100 year anniversary of the Century of Self. Amazing documentary for those who haven't what seen it. What does that mean? <laughs> the Century of Self back in the 20s. The economy was in the shitter, and the president at the time enlisted this upstart psychoanalyst who was the nephew of Sigmund Freud, um, Edward Bernays. He was a forefather of PR, um, that how can you control the masses around desires? And so, you know, it was get the car, get the girl, mm-hmm. um, get the house you know, feel like you've, you've, you've attained wealth. And this, and this transcended, you know, uh, uh, this transactional version of, of um, ego mm-hmm. for the last hundred years. And, you know, it, it went a little sideways um, when all of a sudden it became also a race to the bottom on price. And, you know, we were looking at um, quality through a different lens. And so, What's interesting is that in the last three years, and thank you, pandemic, you know, the twisted gift of the pandemic when we actually had a chance to do a global reset mm-hmm. and an introspection. And what's occurred is that people have taken a look inward. And instead of a century of self where it's about ego, it's more about we go. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that people are all of a sudden understanding that their thoughts, words, and actions can actually inspire another. Mm-hmm. And it's really like the um, full circle of the 100, 100 monkeys principle, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a remarkable study that's real, real, mm-hmm. which is, you know, monkeys for thousands of years were cracking, or not cracking coconuts, they were peeling 
coconuts and their, their, their hands were getting all messed up and what have you. And one monkey threw a coconut against a coconut tree and it burst open and all of a sudden they got all the skin and the juice and all the goodness. All the monkeys around them took place in that act in terms of a more efficient, more effective, conscious collective way of thinking. And then monkeys on other islands around the world started doing the same thing. So there's something that happens when it just permeates and gets into the um, gets into the conscious collective. And that's what we think is happening now. Just as there was a, a yoga wave, if you will, that happened in the early 2000s, there's this conscious wave that's occurring. It's where people are actually looking through a lens of how are things made? Is it made with love? Mm-hmm. How are things, what, what materials is it made with? Is it made by love? And is it made in such a way that it's, it's, it, it actually is transcending and is, is, is tapping people um, where they live, which is living compromise-free and coming into this conscious consumerism. So it's a very mm-hmm. interesting time and, it, and, it's, um, and comp- many companies are struggling and scrambling in terms of saying, how can we catch on? Mm-hmm. And so it's those companies that didn't have an agenda, but started with values yeah. and started with an intention originally that are those that are primed um, to uh, be satisfying consumers, um, insatiable, now um, infinitely crusting wave. Yeah, it, it's really interesting thinking back about the journey of just interviewing all these e-commerce founders and how quickly consumers were kind of expecting to know like the life of a product and watching large and small companies having to kind of change if they didn't start out that way. I'm thinking about, um, we had Adidas and then this company, Avery Dennison on the show. And they were basically building technology so you could see the whole life cycle of maybe an Adidas shoe and where does it end up and how does it get recycled into a new shoe? Because consumers wanted to see that. They're like, I don't want my shoes just going to a landfill. What can I do with them when I'm done with them? That's right. And these corporations had to really I mean, quickly catch up or they're going to lose interest from this group of people who really care about it. Mm -hmm. But then I also see fast fashion still going on. And I don't really understand because I'm like, you see this yearning from so many people to want, um, you know, to to have this like conscious consumption and knowing what's happening with it and where it comes from and where it's sourced. And then there's still this fast fashion and the wish apps and all these kind of things going on where you're like, it seems like both of them are growing. So how do you think about that? Well, not everybody's intended to get on the boat. Yeah. Okay. And and to um and to see through the lens that um that we need to force or coerce or or that um everybody needs to get on board. What I believe is that when we get into a scenario where um it just becomes a better party. Mm-hmm. And it's no longer about living compromise. It's living compromise free, mm-hmm. where you can also say, I'm going to get a higher quality product that is aligned with my values and, um, and that gives me the ability to do, to do right by the world. Now, not everybody's going to be aligned with that. There's always going to be fast fashion. It's mm-hmm. not about needing to get everybody. What it is, is about seeing it's, it's inviting, giving people easy on ramps for self enroll. Mm-hmm. And it's not a movement of oneness. It's a movement of one by oneness. And so what I believe is that it's those companies that just make it effortless and easy and joyful to say like, well, you can actually feel this good yeah, and you can look this good and you can do this good. Um, there's more and more that are cresting. And it's not about everybody. It's about you. And it's about you inspiring one other person to maybe see what is their truth. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I love that. I want to talk a bit about you now. Like, why did you build one golden thread? Or maybe tell me, I mean, you started this company in your 50s. Like, what were you doing before this that brought you to the point where you're like, I need to start my own clothing company? Yeah, well, I mean, circling back to me as a child. I mean, look, I was empathetic to everyone's journey as a child, but my own. Mm -hmm. So I was always focused on um, what's, you know, what, what, what's best for others. And so that fed into my, um, my business. I was, I was a serial entrepreneur building better mousetraps for others, but it Mm -hmm. was always about other people's visions and missions and values and vibrations. And I was being a chameleon to fit into that. Mm -hmm. And, um, it always felt me, left me, um, feeling a dis-ease inside and frankly unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And so, um, matching my own personal uh, discovery journey and personal healing and revealing journey, um, I walked away from a company that I was a 50% co-owner of that was doing very well. Just because left I was, it? You I left was, your equity? You didn't I keep was, it at least? <laughs> I, was mis- I was misaligned and yeah. it, it, it turned out that, you know, with my business partner. And so, um, and I also just had this yearning to, um, uh, to spread a different message in the world. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about just consumption. It was about conscious consumption. And One Golden Thread didn't start out to be a clothing company. You know, it started out um, with me spending um, a year, believe it or not, traveling around the world and tying golden threads on people's wrists and doing a spoken word piece around the discovery that I had forgotten for 50 years, which mm-hmm. is that we we're all golden inside and we're connected as better together by a golden thread. Mm-hmm. So I was going to call it One Global Thread. I st- was going to found it as a public benefit company. And then it came to me, I'm like, no, 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 it's actually one golden thread because it's about the gold that resides inside. Mm. So it's, it's think about any company that, that you really um, are inspired by or you have respect for. It didn't start with an agenda. It started with values and an intention. And that was the values and the intention. And um, I also had a vision because I came from an artist household. And I've always loved like the perfect tea, mm-hmm. but I never could find it. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to design it and I'm going to design it for me. And so I broke every rule in the book. I had no other fit models and I designed for me the world's perfect tea. And, but it started with a search for the world's perfect fabric. And I found, I was blessed also with my mother's somatic touch and I felt probably 108 different fabrics. And I felt this one and they said, well, what's that? And they said, well, that's a very expensive. It's not on rolls. It, it's uh, nature's most supernatural threads from beech tree. And then I felt this other one. They said, well, that's the top 1% of ethical cotton. You've basically chosen two of the most ethical, uh, durable, soft, breathable, expensive mm-hmm. fabrics and fibers in the world. I said, well, I want to take those two and I want to blend them together. So I found a knitter outside of LA and took these the fibers from Austria and the fabric from California family on farms and it became the one golden thread fabric. And so I knew that we had created foundationally, materially, something that felt like the integrity with mm-hmm. which I wanted to put into the world. And then I designed for me what I couldn't find, which is the world's perfect tea. And it was wild. Uh, back in 2017, after founding the company in 2016, to offer the product to my friends. And one by one by one, they agreed. They're like, this is my favorite tea. Mm-hmm. And that inspired me just to keep going. Mm-hmm. And so we now have a full tree collection. And um, and the business, quite honestly, we can talk more about it, but the business was, um, was frankly... Uh, I had many dark nights of the soul mm-hmm. because it wasn't going anywhere. And it taps into some of those... Um, the elements around how do you talk about what you're even working on? Yeah, because it requires a deep listening, 
and learning and adjusting. And we can talk more about that if you like, because it's fa it's a fascinating lesson around um, not being so stuck in your dream and your vision and your and 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 the, and the language you think is important to coming into coherence of what people actually wish to digest. Yeah, I mean, I would love to dive into that, but first, I want to hear about how you came up with these products. And I'm asking because so I had an interesting exper experience this past weekend or two weekends ago. I was in this we'll call it a journey. And this facilitator was guiding us through essentially how we need to tap into our creativity in a different way. And how there's essentially this test that NASA wanted to come up with. Maybe you've seen this TED talk. They wanted to come up with this test to be able to identify geniuses. And this test was a pretty simple one. And it did really well to identify new hires for NASA who would come and they would, I mean, make like a really big impact at the company. They took this test and they gave it to five-year-olds. At NASA, only 2% of people were geniuses. So only 2% got through and passed this test. The five-year-olds, it was like 90% of them were geniuses. And so she walked us through how to get back into that space where you can be creative with no limits and how to get there and not have boundaries with what was done or how a t-shirt should be designed or um, like how to make it happen. It was more of just like, what do I want to see happen? And I'll figure out the rest later and like mm. not putting yourself in a boundary. Mm. So that's making me think about like, how did you, I mean, I look at your products, I'm wearing them now, they're amazing and I've never seen anything like them before. Mm. So like, what does it look like for you to think outside the box and create products that, I mean, I will say in here in Austin, all my friends wear them, literally all of them. So. Mm. Like, tell me what that creation process looks like. I'm fed by the world. Um, I remember I said I was empathetic to everyone's journey. I also was, was, was a deep witness to the world around me and my inner world um, mm -hmm. within it. And so um, being in a position to draw on something that I may have seen um, on the street in India or something that I may have seen in Italy mm -hmm. um, or something that I may have seen somebody maybe sitting uncomfortably in a journey or maybe something I saw in terms of a color of a leaf, you know. Would you write them down? Another. Like everything you'd see, would you like? Oftentimes it was track? like memento, you know, just notes everywhere. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes it was just in, in 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 my mind, and it wasn't about the thing; it was about the relationship to the thing. So mm -hmm. it might be that color leaf mixed with something I saw in India, mixed with something that I felt inside. You know, why is? The, that not elongating. Why mm -hmm. is that too short? And so it would, would just come together in terms of almost a, a vision in my mind's eye of saying, well, let's let's try something differently. Mm -hmm. Let's put the seams on the outside. Mm -hmm. Let's have it be elongating for the human form so we can stand tall. Um, let's have the sleeves be long so it's actually arm hugging yeah. sleeves. Look at these sleeves. Yeah. They're awesome. Why not, why not give, you know, because I believe in um, that we are, you know, we're always good to go. And so let's build clothes that are functional fashion with feeling. Actually, why shouldn't there be a little inlet here so I can not lose my glasses? Yeah. Why shouldn't with the tree pants there be five pockets? Um, where why I'm shouldn't no there be an oversized hood? Why shouldn't there be an oversized yes. hood that you can that you can go so oversized that you can completely disappear <laughs> in ceremony and have it be so breathable? Breathe through yeah. it. Oh, I know. It's great. It's, I'm like, I literally could do the whole interview just like this. <laughs> but everyone wants to see my face. So, you know, <laughs> next time. <laughs> Understood. So it, it's a powerful thing. I think that one of the great lessons um, I received was when I cut my teeth in advertising in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And my first boss, when I was doing consumer packaged goods in terms of food, he said, you know, we, we, you always need to remember to play with your food. Mm. Play with your food. Mm -hmm. Be curious. You know, curiosity thrilled the cat. 
right? <laughs> Thrill the gut. So, well, <laughs> That's good. That's let's, good. Let's flip it to a positive. Yep, yep. So um, be curious, be a witness, and then play with it yourself. You know, I I I love the 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 discovery and the opportunity to just say like, well, if if the one thing we have in common when we're not naked is we wear clothes, how can we actually have the clothes be something that actually is an enhancement? It's funny, you know, clothes frankly have closed us off from feeling. But what if we looked at it in terms of opening, uh, and also just super functional? So I just love the idea of, and maybe it's, maybe this part of this comes from my Burning Man, you know, ten years of going to Burning Man. It's like, yeah. how do you, how do you create clothes that, you know, allow you to just roll through the journey of life? Mm-hmm. And uh, we just got uh, written up as the world's number one rated travel clothes by mm-hmm. um, a very respected travel blog, and it's cool, you know, to see the brands that that uh, are there as well. That mm-hmm. uh, that uh, you know, we're um, just honored to be in company with but uh, to be to be seen through that lens is the way that um, I visioned it in the first place which is for me to design clothes that just would be a embodiment and, and also a, a pleasure and functional for mm-hmm. the journey of life and then make them Jeff proof like the pants I mean I, I can't tell you how many things I, I lost in pants you would think that the pockets weren't intended to hold my belongings and now um, my clothes are Jeff proof. There you go. It's all right. You're the one that gets to test them first to make sure. I love it. I actually just went to Burning Man last year for the first time. And when I saw your clothes, that was the first thing that I thought about. I was like, oh, those would have been so good in the desert, like having that level of comfort. So I want to hear earlier, you mentioned about Dark Knight of the Soul, not really like the company didn't feel like it was working. Tell me more about that. Like, why did it not feel like it was working? Because it seems like you have this awesome product. Your friends are really liking it. Like, what was kind of holding you back to get it going? Yeah. So I was so excited about the story around the ethics and integrity, for instance, of the source manufacturers using 85% renewable energy with water sovereignty to returning the the water that's used for the chemicals back to the rivers is fish safe and the fact that we're going beyond sustainability regeneration we're planting a tree and this is mm-hmm. a, and and it it's not the reason mm-hmm. it's not the reason mm-hmm. and i it took me you know the greatest business lesson i ever learned was in third grade from my dog and my dad okay and it took me f- f- um 40 50, 50 a full 50 years for it to click and um the story was my 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 dog Sam um, had worms, as dogs do, from getting in the mix. And my dad, never missing a teaching moment, took me over to Sam's um, dog bowl and said, "Jeff, we need to give Sam a pill. How do we do it?" And I said. I, my dad's asking me for advice. This is so cool. I said, well, we'll hide it in his food. My dad says, no, no, no. Dogs are smart. It's also a little cynical. I don't know what he, the actual word was he used, but dad, you know, dogs will sniff it out and they'll spit it out because they know you're trying to put something past them. And I was, well, I didn't know what to, what, how to do it. And my dad says, what you do if, you, if a dog needs to have a pill is you wrap it in something sweet mm-hmm. and then the dog will swallow it all day long. And so... That's what we're doing. We're wrapping this problem this, 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 with a solution that's sweet. And so to flip the script and simply talk about we've offered a better product. Yeah. We've offered a product that allows you to look good and feel good and look and feel as good as you are. And oh, by the way, 
We do this too. We do this too. Yep. That's when the messaging mm -hmm. clicked in because people, you know, eyes glaze over if I want to yeah. talk to you about, because where I was focused initially was- You were focused on social impact too much. I was focused on social impact mm -hmm. and I was also focused on the problem, yep. right? Yep. I, was t I want to tell you about the fact that there's 80 billion articles of clothing made every year and 87% will wind up in an incinerator or landfill mm -hmm. and only 3% of those are sustainable. And the fact that 38% of the microplastics in the ocean come from the clothes that we not only toss, but we wash and it's 68,000 you know, particles every time you wash your clothes and therefore that's what's creating this disease and that's why we're ingesting a credit card of plastic. Okay, your eyes just glazed mm -hmm. over. Yep, yep, too much, I'm like. Exactly. Do you have a good product or not? <laughs> exactly. Yep, exactly. Yep. And so it's a it, it's it's a powerful thing to come back um, to the fact that we can um, we can just make a better product, and then it's all those other things, and you feel it. People feel that whole, and, and that's why you know it, it, this notion around hey, is it made with love? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That that means that it's made with the right source materials. Is it made by love? Yep. We have providence in terms of knowing all the hands that touch it, the weavers and mm -hmm. and and uh, the the knitters and the, and the sewers and the cutters and and what have you. And is it made for love? I mean, this is all about connection. That's mm -hmm. really what one golden thread is. It's connection with self. It's connection with others and it's connection with the planet. Being earth connected. Mm -hmm. And I'll share with you a quick anecdotal story, which is one of my favorite um, things that occurs. Look, if you went to a party and you saw two, two people wearing an Armani jacket, they would go to the opposite ends of the room. They'd be like, oh my God, that guy's wearing the same jacket as me. And worse, if it's, if it's two women wearing the same dress. Right? Yeah. Um, what's happening um, is that when two people see the golden thread on article clothing, or even when they originally, when they just saw the golden thread on somebody's wrist, they mm -hmm. came together mm -hmm. because they realized there was a shared philosophy of living. Mm -hmm. There was a shared intentionality. And it's cool. Like, hey, we're planting, we plant just plant, we're planting a love forest together. And oh, by the way, it feels this good to look this good. And it looks this good to feel this good. And therefore it's this equanimity. It's just different. Mm -hmm. And, um, and none of this was, was had an agenda behind it. This was just me following the calling of the message that I want to put out in the world. And it's just a powerful thing when founder-led movements ultimately make a beautiful product. And um, because you know that the, uh, that the vision never wavers um, and the mission um, is material. So what's interesting, I had quite a few, actually this one really good guest, he, I can't remember his company now, but he basically had cups and glassware and mugs and all these things. And now they're in targets, like every large, mm. you know, Walmart store and they're sustainable glassware. And he said the same thing as you, that so many people get caught up in like the social impact part and you forget to actually be like, my product is great. Like it's better yeah. than anything you're gonna wear. And he yeah. gave a really great story around how many founders he saw doing this, especially this past, I would say year or two, it just became the thing to have social impact first. And I've always thought about like, man, if you don't have a company though, you will have no impact. So you can tell me all the trees that you're planting and all the good that you're doing in the world and all the big problems. But like, until you actually have a good foundational company yeah. that is like set for the next, couple of decades, like you won't actually be able to have a big impact. Yeah. And it's cool here. And you kind of go through that same journey too, of realizing that how long were you in that stage of like, where you were just trying to push people into the vision? I felt like it was up until March, 2020. Okay. And when did you start the company? 
2016. Oh, wow. Okay. And Fabric Creation 2017. Mm-hmm. And then First Product 2018. And, and, uh, and then we went from there. And, mm-hmm. and it was, it was, it was a fledging business. And, yeah. and you know, the other thing that, um, I'll just share with you because it's it's very personal and it's very real, and you know it it, it aligns to you know, um, those that are listening to this. You know, sometimes um, the magic that can happen, you know, didn't have a go-to-market plan. It was just that you that, that something clicked and you did the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother was an incredible inspiration for my journey as an artist, and mm-hmm. you know, giving me the confidence you know to uh to, to to see myself through that lens which i never did well my mother had a seven-year alzheimer journey that um came to a, um, a transcendent moment march 10th 2020 mm-hmm. which was two days before covid got real mm. you know we're all running around you know like it's an unrehearsed high school play mm-hmm. right in, in in the world and and um, my mother passes, and we had three thousand dollars in sales that month. Jeez, did you have a savings from like your previous stuff, or were you kind I, of? I was hand to mouthing, yeah. uh, bootstrap, in the, uh, just uh, you know, and I, I, you know, had some businesses that I'd done well-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I certainly um, it was always one golden job was always undercapitalized. But now I had people on the team that I literally were coming out of pocket again just to fulfill my obligations and what mm-hmm. have you. So there's this notion around um, doubt and uncertainty. You know, I never had a, I had some dark nights of the soul with doubt, and that's the real motherfucker, mm-hmm. you know, that can really paralyze you. But I, in this moment, all I could feel was I didn't know how this was going to go. I was uncertain. Yet what I wanted to do was I wanted to do something in memory of my mother. Mm-hmm. And also there was all of these studies or these, these reports that the, um, we were going to be creating a Mount Everest-sized trash pile of plastic masks. And that there was something else that was happening in LA where the homeless couldn't even go in homeless shelters and have a meal because they didn't have a face covering. So mm-hmm. I had all this fabric. And I decided I was going to create a beautiful tree fiber, mm-hmm. um, ethical um, face covering that you could double line, that you could slip a filter mm-hmm. in or what have you. Or I just used it always as is. Never got COVID, by the way. But uh, I wanted to create something in memory of my mother. So for everyone sold, I donated, we donated one to a homeless soul. Forbes got wind of it and wrote a story about us. All of a sudden, our sales of our face coverings were happening. We're donating all, we do, donated thousands of masks to mm-hmm. homeless in LA. And people felt this on their face and they said, if I can feel this on my face, I want this on my body. Yep. This feels this good. That's the way One Golden Thread actually that with and, and mixed with our messaging and mixed with the fact that um, with, you know, I think we had like f- in February the month prior, we maybe had like 50 orders we were sending out. Mm-hmm. And yet I knew something intuitively was su- su- suggesting I needed to set up a 3PL partnership instead of shipping things out of my garage, which we mm-hmm. did. So we were ready before the pandemic mm-hmm. a month prior. Then my mother passes the benevolent act. Our messaging was intact. We also had engaged with um, somebody who was very taken by us and who um, uh, was a digital marketing specialist. And so we were testing the waters with, uh, with Instagram ads. See you on we Instagram all the time. And we were early then, and, uh-huh. and we were seeing up to a 7 to 10x ROAS. And all of a sudden, even with this bootstrapped investment, um, the company um, quadrupled in size. Mm. 
um, in during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And people, because people want to be comfortable in their skin. Yeah. It's just a fascinating thing that there wasn't an in agenda. There was an intention and it was based upon values. And so, and so it's gone. And the business is, um, uh, we're no longer pushing the business. Mm-hmm. Um, we're receiving the energy that's coming uh, towards it because there's a insatiable desire for people to be comfortable in their skin and not just now sitting at home, but wherever they roam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you learn to trust that intuitive hit? Because anyone probably listening is like, oh, you were just somehow had a download that you need to get a 3PL going. And like, how do you know when to trust those moments um, versus like you could have jumped in too soon maybe and been like, "Uh oh, now now I need like minimums coming out and I'm not meeting these minimums. Like, what did that look like to trust your gut on that? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think that there's um, a level of discernment that we can do where this isn't about like airy fairy, woo woo guru. This is about like um, all the things that we've done in our, in our professional lives, which we can, which we can map against our, our gut intuition. And quite frankly, um, data and statistics and analytics and and metrics, those are all powerfully important. Um, And the magic that occurs is mm-hmm. when we actually um, come into coherence with our consciousness that resides inside. Got it. So it's a blend. It's a blend. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it, it's a blend, and um, and at some point also, you know, history favors the bold. And you know, if you if you get a hit on something, you know, it's time um, for you to lean in. Yeah. A lot of times, I also like to think about like, what's the worst that can happen if I do this? As my partner, Victory, says, she says, maybe we should reframe that even to say what's the best that can happen. Mm-hmm. That's good, you too. Know. I like yeah. that. I like going both ways. Both ways is great. <laughs> I understand. Because oftentimes I think that people really elevate a scenario, but they don't actually map it out and be like, okay, well, this could happen. And then this and then this. Oh, that's not as bad as I thought, really. Yeah. But like if you're sitting there in this like in-between state where you really don't dive in then you just think it could be yeah. horrible and you stay away from it yeah. and then of course going what's the best that can happen to probably the, do both <laughs> one of the most powerful visuals can i can i use a piece of paper Go for it one of the most powerful um oh, yeah my kids drawings are all over oh, no, that this is perfect this is perfect <laughs> actually this was day one since you brought up summit this was mm-hmm. day one of my first time being at summit i'm certainly not an og but this was back in 2012 mm-hmm. and um dave zabrowski He's a genius of a artist and also a thinker. You know, he he brought up this notion around like you're here right now, you have a goal, you have an intention, you have a vision, and it's here. Mm-hmm. We think that um, that it might be, you know, a long winding path to to get there, or some people think it's just a straight shot. Mm-hmm. But what if we reframe it and we say what it is? It's a moonshot, and you're heading straight towards it, and yet we might be. 20 degrees off to the left. Mm-hmm. And then instead of saying, I missed it and I need to go back, what it is, is it's continuing to circle mm-hmm. and circle and circle. Now, mm-hmm. if the if this changes, no problem. Even if that target changes, you simply say, it's another moonshot. Again, keep honing in. And mm-hmm. so I think that even in, in this notion around what's happening inside our bodies as well as inside our businesses, maybe it's one and the same. And we can let go of that whole thing of like blame and shame and, you know, I've done this wrong. Maybe there's, we, we can reframe that there is no right and wrong. 
it's really just about the thing is not the thing, it's our relationship to the thing. And it's a constant inquiry. It's a constant testing. It's a constant iteration. And if we do that um, and see through that lens, um, the journey becomes, at least in my experience, so much more joyful. Yeah, I love that. And that's a good drawing too. I'll have to take a picture of that. So for anyone who's just listening and not looking, essentially Jeff drew two dots far away from each other, drew a squiggly line to get from one to the other. And someone was talking about, is it just a straight line? No, maybe you're actually gonna go off to the left a little bit. And then you just need to circle around your goal. And it might take a little while to get there. Think of it like- think of it describe like, that right? Absolutely, it's beautiful. Cool. Think, of, think of it like orbiting. Yeah, you're orbiting right? you're around or, your main you're goal. You're orbiting the main goal of your moon. Mm-hmm. And and if the moon changes position, then you then you do another moonshot and you mm-hmm. and you and you reorbit. It's a, it's just it's fun. It's a it's a fun way to look at yeah. it because um, we can say like we're no we're always we're always on path. We're always on purpose. It leads into something else that I, I uh, that we could have spoken about with this um, conscious consumerism, and I think it's an important point um, because those that are out there that are building a conscious business, it's one of the things that gets missed. And it's this notion around perfection. And it's something that I've come to realize that the pursuit of perfection is actually the paralysis of progress. Mm -hmm. And because truthfully, the only thing that would be perfect is if we all decided not to live in homes, not to fly in planes, not to drive in cars, and certainly not to wear clothes. Yeah, everyone could just be in Burning Man, just be naked, I guess. Don't impact the world (laughs) in a bad way. So maybe... We can look at it through a lens of the pursuit is the purpose. Mm-hmm. And then it's not about perfection, it's about progress. And what that does is that alleviates any paralysis around, you know, it needs to be absolutely perfect. Because look, we're nothing's perfect. And we're certainly not, we're not portending to be. I think that it's more about, and that's why for me, you know, the the most powerful thing that we can realize is we have a language problem. Mm-hmm. And and specifically it's around this this whole notion and this term of, of sustainability, mm-hmm. which we can get into. Yeah, why like. do you think, tell me more about that? Because yeah, that's definitely a hot term now, but I will say everyone has a different meaning on like what it means to be sustainable. And you've got people just throwing it out there and you're like, well, what do you actually mean by that? Brands saying they do things sustainably, but then you start digging in and you're like, eh, I don't know. Like it just depends what what you're looking at when it comes to that. So why? I probably know where you're going with this, but I would love for you to explain like why we have a language problem around this space. Sustainability might be in the history of language, the most greenwashed word, um, because there's no governor mm-hmm. around it. Mm-hmm. It's in challenging to collectively define it. It's nebulous. Um, it's frankly impossible to model. Mm-hmm. And it's challenging therefore to measure. It would be like, well, you have three children, correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, it would be like you sending your kids, uh, I mean, the other, the, the other thing about this is it's not very inspiring. It would be like you sending your kids to school and saying, kids, go get a, go maintain today, go get an average, mm-hmm. go, go, go maintain the status quo. Because the reality is, is that the status quo will not get us out of the mess that we're in. You know, humans have an a la carte, you know, uh, all-you-can-eat mentality of this time on our planet. Take, hoard more than you need. 
And so because humans will also always take more than they need, it's almost imp also impossible to see that's the solution. So, so sustainability is challenging to measure. It's impossible to define and nor, um, nor model. You know, how can we be talking about this? Certainly, of course, we can be looking at sustainably sourced materials. Um, we can be looking at you know ethics around the supply chain, but we believe that the answer lies in in language that we can actually define, measure, and model, and that's regeneration. Mm -hmm. And so, what are regenerative practices? I mean, look, this is not new. We can look to um, the forefather industries such as regenerative agriculture, uh, regenerative food systems, and for us, what that means is ethical supply chain with. Um, supernature materials that are good from Earth, good for Earth, and ultimately will we'll go back to Earth. Mm -hmm. Not everything, but you know the, the, the preponderance of what we're creating, right? Yeah. Bio, with biodegradable properties, as we said, um, and a regenerative practice. Where what if we, as business, saw ourselves, and this is the most important point, as a collective force for social good, and that it's not just about doing less bad, mm -hmm. but it's actually about seeing that business can actually be a inspirational driving force to, to actually uh, regenerate and restore order in harmony with nature. And so for us, what that means is that every item sold plants a tree. And uh, we know what the impact actually is. You can model mm -hmm. it. Um, because from one beech tree, you can make 108 of these. And from every one of these, we plant a tree. So mm -hmm. from every article of clothing, we plant a tree for those that aren't, aren't aren't actually looking at what I'm touching. And uh -huh. so, so the, thus the impact can be one to 108X. Any company can do this. And I believe that if, if there's a multi-generational lineage legacy that I would love to impart, it would be to inspire that every business can be part of the solution because I don't believe in activism anymore. I believe in proactivism. And proactivism mm -hmm. is that we are proactively being part of the solution here. That's what regeneration means, and I believe that that's um, that's something that um, is uh, is an elevation to the discourse around uh, sustainability, which frankly, um, you know, is something that people can just slap on something yeah. by doing one sustainable. The too general unquote. word. It's just too general, yeah. and so it becomes nebulous. And you have some companies that maybe are even within fast fashion that say, "Well, let's just do sustainable packaging." And so therefore, we're yeah. going to basically say, even though it's made in sweatshops, we're going to basically say, well, we're, we're, you know, we, we have a sustainability stamp around our packaging, and therefore we're, we're part of the solution. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, I saw a report. It was um, Rosario Dawson was interviewing people and asking them, what does sustainability mean? What are they doing? And they're mm -hmm. saying, well, um, I'm not using straws. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Which is great because, yeah, look, that, that's... You know, yeah. because that awful visual of that one turtle that, that, that one spread turtle all that, around the know, world, spread around yeah. the world, and that becomes that 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 iconic visual. But you know, let's go deeper mm -hmm. um, together. Yep, man. He okay, I don't know if you like this question or not, but I'm going to go with it. Have you ever thought about going for an acquisition with your company where you could impact a larger culture? So I'm thinking like. Andy Dunn, he's like Bonobo's founder. He's our one of our investors from way back in the day. And like, have you ever thought about going to a larger company and becoming part of that culture to inspire from within? And I ask this because, I mean, we talked very large executives every single day on all of our shows. And I see how much impact these companies can have on things from a top-down approach. But sometimes I just don't think they really know yeah. where to start. Um, 
but they can have such a big impact. Mm. And then I see all these, like all my friends in Austin having these bottoms up approaches. This isn't you because you're also not in Austin. Um, and I'm like, man, it'll take a while for you to really impact versus like we had Kellogg's on and they talk about their regenerative farming and like they're essentially enforcing these farmers to like look into their practices more because they're not gonna buy product from them unless they have a certain thing going on with their farming or yeah. whatever. Um, but have you ever thought about that angle of like going and partnering with a large company to then influence their products and their efforts around how to think about this yeah, conscious consumerism piece? I'll answer that excellent question this way. We talk about ecosystems, right, in, in the world, and that's, that's, the, that's the engine. Um, I've come into a true understanding that for ecosystems now to work in this new, in this new conscious, collective, ever-cresting wave, there needs to be, for that ecosystem to work, there needs to be an ethos system that wraps it. And that's what I believe you're, you're, you're referring to, which mm -hmm. is we, we are as, we're not right now the ecosystem because we're not a model, you know, we're not this massive um, organization, mm -hmm. yet we are an ethos system. And I think I said earlier, this notion around we go over ego. I have no ego um, in what we're creating. You mm -hmm. know, we're creating something that's, gonna, that's going to have an incredible impact um, on one individual, by yeah. one individual, by one individual. And if we can do that in a more comprehensive, cohesive, accelerated way, um, we're always open to understanding what that could look like. Because the truth of the matter is, is that the time is not for tomorrow. I mean, the time truly is now. If you actually just did, again, just a tiny peek into the decimation that we're doing in an industry that is soon to be the most polluting industry and it's continuing unabated every single day, you know, we, we have this opportunity. And, and I, I like to really frame it from this perspective, which is you can choose to, as you said earlier, you can choose which lens you want to see it from. And this is the question I would ask anybody who's listening. How good do you want it? Or how bad can you stand it? Because it very much is what's happening in the world right now is like the frog, uh, the frog in the pot. Remember that? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And for those that just want to want that memory of that, as the dog is barking, and you know, it, it's like the frog gets in the water and it just and it's swimming around joyfully, and it continues to boil, and the frog doesn't even realize it's time to hop out of the pot mm -hmm. until it's too late. And I'd like to believe that it's not too late. Yeah. And because it's not. Now, you know, I also have a, you know, an honest and a cynical lens. I ask myself that there's always going to be a balance here. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always going to be people that are not meant to get on this boat, but those that are. And it's powerful to understand that you are one of those hundred monkeys. Mm -hmm. It's powerful to understand that your actions can actually inspire exponentially outward. And it's true. And at the end of the day, there's no weight on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. There's just something delicious for you to wear. And you can do do right in the world by doing nothing more than wearing what you love. I love that. Well, that is a beautiful way to wrap. So for all of our listeners, people watching, where can people find these amazing clothes that we're wearing right now? Um, check out your mission, your vision, and most of all, your great products. Where should uh, they go? They can go to onegoldenthread.com or the short form of that is ogt.life but you can certainly uh, you can spell out the entire thing onegoldenthread.com if you want to learn about me you can connect with me on Instagram at, at Jeff Skelt and that's J-E-F-F-S-C-U-L-T and also we're on Instagram as well uh, at onegoldenthread 
Awesome. This has been an honor and a pleasure. Same. Yeah. Thanks for coming to the studio and I'll have to bring you back in the future to see how it's all going in like another year when you're back here next. listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.